This is an Alliance podcast. I had a long chat with Scott Goodacre the other day. He runs the online rule where he covers the best practices in digital marketing in sport. Scott's insight and knowledge should prove useful to any of us who are trying to juggle marketing at our own clubs whilst not getting sacked from the day job, not upsetting our partners, and still having time to catch up on Netflix. As with all this stuff, it's very much a case of do as I say, not as I do. Don't beat yourself up if you're letting things slip. You can only do what you can do. One other thing, Scott's from Newcastle in the northeast of England. They're famed up there for their thick accents. Um, Scott's accent isn't the broadest I've ever heard, but it may still prove impenetrable to some American ears, so apologies for that. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet to come. Probably do this properly at some point. John, but before I do, Whenever you're ready. <laughs> screw that. Let's just chat for two hours and you know, waste everyone's <laughs> time. Um, your day job. I'm just intrigued. This, this. I know you've gone freelance, but this bit isn't the isn't the day job. Is it? This is what the day job would be if everything aligned. Yeah, I mean, um, running the online rule has been a, a kind of a hobby or a passion project now for just over seven years. So I think mm-hmm. it was like December 2013 when I uh, I set it up. Um, pre-child, you know, all that kind of. Yeah. I think it was. When we all had marriage, time, right? Yeah, I know. I was just thinking, actually, it's as old as my marriage, which is um, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, see which one, see which one ends first. But um, yeah, so I've, I've kind of kept this up for about seven years now, and it is—it was, it was very much a hobby. I've always liked doing things on the side. Again, I probably shouldn't say that my life's around, but I've always <laughs> liked having these, these kind of like extra things that were going on outside, outside of my day job, stuff that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. And I did a journalism degree, so it's um, writing's always been a in that research side has always been a big kind of passion of mine um i do a bit more now because like you said i went freelance um just over well, pretty much exactly 12 months ago actually the start of march last year Time that well. and, um yeah i know to be honest with you it, it's actually been absolutely fine i don't like to bang on about it because a lot of people have struggled and suffered yeah. but like kind of um professionally it's, it's been the most satisfying year i think i've ever had mm-hmm. um which is great but it's also meant there's been a bit of time doing some online real stuff so i've done a few um kind of chats with people just trying to do more with it really but the problem you get in my position, the nice problem to have, but because obviously I'm making a bit of money through kind of my business, the website doesn't make any money. So it's mm-hmm. just that prioritization of stuff is the kind of totally. the hardest part of it, to be completely honest. Yeah, completely get that. So um, explain in as few or as many words as you want what the, <laughs> the ethos is behind the onside rule. Um, so it was set up because, no, that's fine. So it was, it was set up essentially to give me an effect. It was a, actually, it was a friend of mine who did his. Um, his master's degree in PR and he coined the name he came up with the site and everything he's been doing it as kind of a, a project for his um, his master's degree and I was um, I was working at a college at the time as a head of marketing and he just said he knew that I liked I, I could build websites I've built them in the past I'd run a um, semi-successful music website that I built when I was 18 and kind of worked as a music journalist for a few years through that got me involved and then his his interest waned essentially he had kids earlier than I did and um, I kind of took it on and the entire ethos from day one has always been to celebrate. So it's always been to promote good practice, best practice, not to belittle, trample down, 
criticise um, or in any way, shape or form kind of throw negativity towards all the hardworking staff who are genuinely doing their best in jobs and really mm-hmm. to kind of help build other people up and say, look, this is what's going on in this industry. If you're starting, it's a good place to follow. You can see what clubs are doing kind of across the spectrum, um, whether it's men, the men's game, the women's game, whatever game, any country in the world, any kind of level of professionalism. If someone's doing something good, I'd love to hear about it and champion it and share it. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a qualified teacher. I do a lot of, um, kind of digital marketing training and courses and stuff. So I've always liked helping people develop. And mm-hmm. this is this has kind of unofficially become a, a little arm of that, really. Um, only I've got about 3,000 followers on Twitter, just under, I think. But I know a lot of them. I speak to a lot of them regularly and kind of messages and stuff. And I've had the, even odd experiences where I've been having DM conversations with football clubs on Twitter mm. who are saying, you know, how, how do I set the ads up? How do I do this carousel? How do I run that? And I don't know if it's, I try not to make it sound too perverse, but there's a genuine pleasure in, in helping people figure yeah. something out, discover something, and then seeing it happen. So um, one of my pri- proudest points, and um, sorry, we'll let you ask me the question in a second, was um, <laughs> very recently I, I was talking about kind of Twitter carousels and ad carousels, and I had people from like the Athletic, BBC Sport, football club saying it was, oh, I, I've just done this, what do you think? You know, that, it's yeah. that kind of thing that's like the joy of discovery I get out mm-hmm. of it. So the financial gain is kind of is non-existent. In fact, it costs us more than anything. <laughs> um, but it's it's enjoyable and people find it useful. Yes. So it's, it becomes like a bit of a drug, to be honest with no, you. No, I completely hear that's kind of the ethos behind this podcast and everything else, right? I'm like you. I'm, I work in the digital marketing sphere. I, I specialize in um, paid marketing and Google ads and whatnot. And we can nerd out about that on a different podcast, I'm sure. But, <laughs> um, but I, I feel like there's that energy and that knowledge base that most clubs aren't fortunate to have fortunate enough to have right whether it's what i do or whether because we've got you know a salesman as part of our board or whether we've got because we've got uh, you know a athletic trainer as part of our board but there's always a hole that is within other clubs that we can go out and fill not because we've covered every base you know we're trying to learn as well but absolutely that joy of just sort of sharing your knowledge and building things up from the ground in whatever small way you can is just yeah it's phenomenal i completely get it yeah and if i'm honest i find that the people who work in i mean I, I, i'm gonna say sport but to be honest with you obviously i, I pretty much work in kind of soccer football yep. and those kind of clubs um but i find that they're all incredibly nice with their time mm-hmm. and very willing to talk around the kind of the techniques the tools that they use the tips because there's a podcast i listened to back in a day when i had time to listen to podcasts and it was um Oh, there's a guy called Bob Tate was doing a digital sport podcast. And there's something right. he said always stuck with us that football clubs aren't competing with other football clubs. So mm. actually the staff at all the clubs get on quite well. There's not mm-hmm. like a rivalry or an animosity between them. So they're happy to be, to be open and share what they're doing because speaking as a Newcastle fan, he's amazing an example. If Sunderland come up with a really good campaign, I'm not suddenly going to up sticks and go to the stadium of Lightning to become a Sunderland fan. Mm-hmm. You know, that, it's, not, it's not like competing brands. So I find it a, quite a nice industry to work in because everyone does genuinely seem to engage, like sharing best practice and to like pointing stuff out and helping. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're an interesting breed. And when you think how little time some of them have got, some of the time they've given me over the years has been like, massively appreciated and really, really sure. above and beyond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, and it's, it's interesting. Like, I can completely hear where you're coming from from a British perspective. I feel like over here there's people play their cards a lot more closely to the chest for a variety of reasons right we don't need to get into politics and stuff um but (laughs) and when we can but you'll fall asleep but um again that's a thing that we're doing and we've been pleasantly surprised with um how it's been received it's like people are seem almost generally surprised that we're prepared to share 
this document or this budget plan or whatever it is or you know how to, like you say how to set up a facebook ad um all that stuff is just to me as an outsider pretty much and to john as sort of someone who's trying to do this from the ground up it's just why wouldn't you share it we're, we're stronger as an entity as this as, as us soccer if everyone's in it together rather than you know there's enough time there's enough time to beat people on the pitch but after that we need you to be around so we can beat you next season well yeah i mean it's, it's it's the typical level playing field, isn't it? It, um, it means that you're all kind of, you're all fighting the same battles and trying the same things. And again, I know fandom's different in a lot of countries. Um, I don't necessarily know what it's like in terms of people jumping ship between clubs in like MLS leagues and all that kind of thing. So I know it differs around the world. But like I said, you're not necessarily going to steal fans off a club. No. So it's, to me, there's no reason why clubs can't be more open and transparent about what they do. There's always a level of it because there's always a level of commercial sensitivity with some yeah. stuff. It's why I am on that topic. You know, you mentioned that kind of you work in the kind of the Facebook ads and Google ads and that kind of thing. It's an area that I cannot engage with a club on at all. I have really? tried and I've tried and I've tried to speak to them about like paid strategies, all that kind of thing. Can I get a can I get a response from people? <laughs> um, because again, there's probably a commercial sensitivity on it, and it's also again, no matter I know. I, I, Similar to yourself, I run a lot of Facebook ads and Google ads for clients and stuff. And I think essentially they're scared that they're going to give the game away, that other clubs will try and jump on the bandwagon a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's a revenue generating exercise, whereas organic social and a lot of these campaigns aren't directly linked to revenue. No, they're not. And, and a lot of, certainly the clubs, like you, from what I'm hearing, you work sort of higher up the, the pyramid, right? You'd love to work with Newcastle, but you're certainly working with clubs with a degree of budget behind them, not necessarily thousands and millions, but, you know, some. Um, and no, not, well, necess- not necessarily, to be honest with you. It's, um, I actually, I find that it's a lot more interesting, a little bit lower down the pyramid. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot to keep up with. There's just a lot yeah, of clubs no, down with. And I'm, I'm familiar I, with the Premier League as a Newcastle fan. So yeah. <laughs> For now, you're familiar with it. Let's not. <laughs> well, yes, less of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when, when I was in England, my, my forte was absolutely, apart from the Tramway thing, my, my thing was proper non-league, you know, the, the 10 men and a dog scene. So um, the Ashfield towns and the Bedlington Terriers and all that stuff uh, to drop names that mean nothing to else, anyone else who's listening to this podcast. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. let's, go, let's got, talk about a football team called after the dogs. Yeah. I know it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Amazing. I love them. Um, <laughs> I, I remember I, diversion here, but I went somewhere. I don't know where it was because I was used to ground up a lot and they were, they were the business and it all kicked off. Um, and I don't know why, I don't know if there was a history between the fans or, you know, People had had one too many drinks or whatever, but I'll always remember just Bellingham Terriers being quite scary, which the name doesn't rely at all. But hey-ho, <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, we touched on Facebook ads and paid marketing, and that's kind of why I'm interested to start to pick your brains. Is, um, what, could a club, what could clubs do when, as we say, we're time critical, right? So let's assume we haven't got someone who's on the books doing it 24-7. It's just a volunteer, a part-time or whatever, um, and they've got a very limited budget. What's what's one thing that every single club could or stroke should be doing? You think from the paid marketing Facebook? Similar to similar to a lot of businesses, really, is just use it to amplify the messages and the kind of sales, new kit ranges, all that kind of stuff to more of their fan base. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's easy. It's quite a straightforward thing to be doing as well. As it says, I'm sure you know on Facebook and Google, but they, they don't put money behind anything and it does just feel like they're missing a massive trick. I tried to highlight this a few months ago by um, using Facebook transparency tool and looking and seeing what 
you know, what Premier League clubs were doing because the likes of Man United have a dedicated paid social person. Liverpool are recruiting for one at the moment. I don't know if they have one currently in post or whether it's an expansion. Um, so these rules are there. Yeah. They are doing it. But it's, again, a lot of it, to be honest, is probably promoting to foreign audiences. So if you've got your eyes on like global expansion, mm. it's getting your kits and your deals out into those, those global markets. That mm-hmm. tends to be one of the main ways that I've seen teams using it so far. Um, within this country, with existing fans, I do get the argument a little bit that it's a bit moot because fans are fans. And if you've got a kit out, it's not like you're going to wake up when the start of the new season. Oh, hang on, I've got a new kit on. Mm. Like, where did that come from? You know, the fans are going to know those things. Um, but I still do think there's a, there's a place for paid stuff. And like yeah. I said, mainly I'd love to speak to um, kind of staff who work in those roles within British football clubs, trans anywhere in the world, just to see, you know, what is the strategy? What are you trying to do with it? What is the thinking? Mm-hmm. Because there's so much you can you can kind of glean from the outside, but until you speak to somebody in there, you, you know you can't do that. And then, like I say, it's good knowledge to pass down the pyramid because there's a there's a generation of people coming through. Um, and I say this, I teach apprentices as well, so I teach people on um, kind of equivalent to like kind of college level in yeah. this country, so like 16, 17, who are learning about digital marketing and they're learning about social media and how it ties into business objectives and all that kind of other stuff. And they, they're completely unaware of what paid advertising is and what paid social is. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, I work with, um, I coach small business owners who are setting up businesses around kind of my neck of the woods. And again, I'm just, all I say to them is, look, £10 a month, £20 a month on Facebook, mm-hmm. post five times a month, stick a bit of budget behind it, put some effort into what you're doing. I guarantee you'll see a difference. And because of everything in, um, in football, social media, I mean, I'm, I'm as guilty as this as anything. We champion the organic stuff. People who join the industry, lower down think that's all there is to it and they don't necessarily realize that you know there's this kind of paid industry out there there is advertising it can help you achieve those kind of financial objectives that marketing Mm -hmm. often has it's not all just here's a meme here's a bit of banter off you go fill your boots yeah no i think and i that's a thing i have noticed is that i over here i feel Mm -hmm. like regardless of the level but certainly if you just look at the top end if you look at the premiership versus the nba i think there's such a marked difference in how they use the online, their online platforms. I think yeah. the tone of voice is so much smarter out here in terms of engaging with the fans. They, they either have a sense of humour or well, they know how to talk to their fans. And I think yeah. the British side of things is still struggling to catch up and to work it out. And when you, when you hear that you know, the likes of Liverpool don't have someone full-time doing their paid marketing, it's just insane to me. I'm sure they've got someone, inverted commas, a website manager, right? Like it was 1987. But um, it's just so far behind the curve for all the money that's in there and they're not investing in it. It's just insane. Yeah, it is. I mean, like I said, they could have somebody in that position at the minute. It's been, it's been a bit difficult to find out. No, but they, um, let's call them on it. They, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. Let's see if they listen. Um, <laughs> I've spoken to Adam, actually, the head of social over there a few times over the years. He's a nice bloke. So um, I'm sure he'll be messaging us if it's not the case. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they kind of... Yeah, they should be. They absolutely should be. They should be invested more in that. And again, I don't think there's a shame in admitting that that's what you do and that you pay. And I think it's a little, it's like paying for something, isn't it? People think it's a little bit of a dirty word if you're having to pay for it. But yeah. I think from, the, a, from a social media point of view, the, the sooner people, especially like kind of lower down in the kind of just the lower teams and stuff, figure this yeah. out, it'll, it'll benefit them and it'll benefit their careers all yes, the time. Totally, totally. Um, so then let's put you in, the, in charge of. Gateshead, let's put you in charge of Bedlington Terriers. That's, so I, I lower down club that you are aware of. I'm just trying to think of the equivalent sort of size of the, the listenership to this, this podcast. Mm. Um, 
go to so we don't have an international audience we're not trying to sell shirts in indonesia right um we're trying to get information in front of people that may not even know we exist or you know we're mm -hmm. trying to convince them to come and spend their cash with us rather than going to the movies or rather than going to the local minor league baseball club or whatever the alternative is yeah. what then can clubs be doing on a you know on a super tight budget both financially and time budget and like anything engagement's key to it and I think it's one of the, um, I think it's exactly where kind of you became aware of what I was doing was when I was publishing some stats earlier in the year around the level of engagement that you get out of English clubs and British clubs mm -hmm. on social media. Now, football, I've often said, has an engagement problem. It really does. It's, um, it's almost like scared of commitment. Mm -hmm. Doesn't like responding to people, um, replying, engaging in conversation and interaction with its fans and followers. And I think it's a massive win for the clubs who are a bit tighter on resource to spend more time cultivating their community, working with the community, working with the people in their kind of their local area and championing good causes, getting involved in what's going on yeah. rather than seeing themselves as this slightly aloof organisation that doesn't need to bother themselves with it. Talking to fans as fans, as people, and spending more time rather than plugging your tat actually you know actually having a conversation about yeah. stuff and um, you know spend more time kind of behind the scenes having chats and conversations building loyal fans creating those memories and experiences for people than i don't know here's an interview with a sign-in we've got a game on saturday here's some cliches yeah it's it's tired and it's happening across the industry and i get why it happens there's a lot of pressures on these people to kind of follow the norms but i think that's where battles can be won for clubs lower down the pyramid where they are closer to their communities and they are closer to fans. So you can actually get the stories from them mm -hmm. and you can tell their stories of their experiences and why they follow a club. You know, is anyone attending their first game? See if you can find them. Do a little spot at them and get a picture of them on Twitter. Put them on, you know, here's such and such for their first game. Who's bringing their child to their first game? Yeah. Do something like that around it and spotlight them on Facebook, on Instagram. Just take a couple of quick pictures and write, write a caption. It's 10 minutes work. But to that person, to that fan, and especially if someone's bringing their child for the first time, like, Jenny, my son's three and a half. I mean, eventually I'll be able to convince him to try and kick a football rather than picking up and run with it. But <laughs> They're terrible, aren't they? They're just the worst. Oh, honestly. <laughs> when he can, um, but, when he, but when he can do that, you know, I genuinely cannot wait to take him to his first game. Mm -hmm. You know, I look forward to the day that, like, you know, my dad's, I've still got the game, so my dad is not even 60 yet. And I look forward to the day that the three of us will go to a football yeah. game. It's genuinely, like, on my most anticipated things in my life, and I cannot wait to take it off. And my then list. he'll ruin it by crying by like three fifteen. Oh, right? we'll just... tell, probably telling us <laughs> he wants to go and support Sunland or something. Um, but yeah, but you know, I can't wait for that. And that's the kind of story that a club, yeah. especially one that is involved in a community, is in the perfect place to tell the story of and to show the magic and to capture it. Mm -hmm. And like I say, I don't think it takes long to do it. Um, and it's I don't think it's a worth. It's a massive investment, but it would mean the world to fans. Yeah. And it would show that a club actually gives a shit, which yeah. a lot of them don't show that they do, to be completely honest with yeah. you. You ask, you ask them face to face, like there isn't a face to put to this, whatever club it is, right? But you ask that club face to face and they'll say, yes, your fans are our most important thing. But their actions betray that every single time. Just yeah, I did. A, I looked at it. Um, it was either kind of end of January last year or the end of January of the year before, because it was around the time that the transfer window was ending over here. And... I, it was a very quick kind of, I picked, I think I did all 20 clubs actually in the end because I got carried away with it, but I kind of <laughs> manually trawled through a week of tweets mm -hmm. and I looked at 
how many replies were sent directly to fans. And I don't have the exact figures to hand, but pretty much the top performing club sent 10 replies out of about 100 tweets that week. That's insane, and the majority just didn't at all. And there was mm-hmm. even examples. It was Arsenal and it was Leicester. And apologies to um, staff at both of those clubs. I'm going to call you out on it. Even said, like, you know, here we go, Gunners fans. Like, what's your predictions for this week? How do you think we're going to get on in the game? Yeah. And then just ignored every single response, not even like just a cursory like mm-hmm. to say, thanks for taking the time to respond to my question. Now, yeah. can you imagine that this would be a completely different podcast if you asked me a question and I just sat in silence? <laughs> right? it, it would be rude. But yeah. clubs are doing it online all of the time. And I think, again, when you get down to the lower levels, you can actually do that. And I think it's more important, actually, to spend that time on engagement and community work than it is, here's our skipper talking about the game this weekend. Yeah. Um, do that, make it part of your calendar, but you know, don't focus on it. Focus on the people who will actually make your club tick and exist. Yeah, I think the way I, th- the, the way I see it is if you stripped the, the internet side of the football club away, right, which would include the social media and everything on the website and everything else, the only way that you engage, that you get people aware of you and want to come is because boots on the ground, shaking hands, going to events, making yourself heard. And there is no, Absolutely. There's, there's no alternative to that. Now you've got the internet, now you've got the website, great, use that as an add-on. Mm. And you know, maybe less than, you, know, you have to go out six times a week, now you only have to go out four times a week, but you've still got to go out there and glad hand. You can't hide behind the screen and just say, hey, we're here, but existing isn't enough. Yeah, it's, it's not, you're right, existing isn't enough is a really, really good way of putting it. Um, and the, the problem is the clubs, oh, I don't know, they, they think they can, they don't need to do it, mm-hmm. and they do it when the chips are down and when times are hard. Yeah. Um, they kind of lean on their fan base occasionally for stuff yeah. when they need something or Shake want something. Shake a bucket, yeah. Yeah, that, well, that's it. But it, essentially, those um, what social media should exist to do, I mean, it's called social networking for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not called social broadcasting. But what social media should exist to do is to amplify those conversations and actually demonstrate them on a bigger scale that this is the work that we're doing yeah. rather than just being another way of, you know, rather than sharing the same video across TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, and LinkedIn at the same hour. Just cut slightly differently and edited slightly differently down. Mm-hmm. It's it's a bit lazy. Um, yeah. And I'm super this, guilty of that. Hands off. Years ago. Oh, I mean, everybody's. It's dead easy. I've done it when I've run social media accounts. So I, you know, I'm a massive, massive hypocrite with everything. <laughs> but um, a few years ago, a few years ago now, I've got to get the story straight. So I've I've championed to small businesses. So we're talking like business to consumer, business to business kind of companies that you don't need to be posting every day on social media. I stand by it across every yep. industry. You. Maybe posting a few times a week, but actually sticking some effort into the type of stuff that you're sharing. Yep. And Real, Mag- Real Madrid a few years ago, um, I definitely read this. I cannot find the article anymore, but I definitely did not make it up or dream it. But Real Madrid um, actually stopped posting every day on Instagram as a, a bit of an experiment. So rather than sharing something three or four times a day, like, you know, here's, I don't know, at the time, it could be Isco walking into training or whatever, yeah. you know, the kind of standard run-of-the-mill behind-the-scenes stuff. They, they went to post, instead of five times a day, they went to doing it about three or four times a week. Okay, so actually skipping some days. Mm-hmm. And across the board, their engagement went up. So more really? people were engaging with their content, engaging with what they were sharing. They were getting more positive sentiment off the back of it. Now, they don't it follow special. that approach anymore. Yeah. But yeah, exactly, because it was, it was when there was something useful or interesting to say, rather mm-hmm. than trying to fill a little schedule that someone has arbitrarily created. Oh, because the social media calendar. It's an absolute bear. Yes. Yeah. Post at um, two o'clock on the second Sunday of the month when it's a full moon. You'll get your best engagement. It's great. <laughs> Will you? Okay. You spend your time yeah. doing that. <laughs> right. Here's a picture of a kitten. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that that'll always work. If you can get a, <laughs> yes. I don't know, if we can get if we can get Alison holding a, um, a kitten or something for Liverpool, then I think they're onto a. Onto a yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Dress your pets up in the kit, and away you go. Honestly, <laughs> NBC over here is an absolute bastard for doing that as well. Um, I'm giving you ideas here, aren't I? <laughs> we've got dog gear in our in our merch centre. We're all right. We're we're ahead of the curve. Um, okay, so I want to talk a little bit about the 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 survey you ran. That, as far as I'm aware, you haven't released the results of yet. So I'm hoping we get some little sneak peek. But um, the state of social, right, yeah. social media. I um, time more than anything, yeah. but it is on. It is trying to be on the agenda for this month. <laughs> well, now, now there's an audience of literally 10 that is going to want to be demanding to see this. But um... that is absolutely, you know what? If anyone could hold me to account, then I am well up for it. I need it. It's the problem with self employment. Like, it's literally just down to myself. There you go. Uh, there you go. If anyone's still listening after half an hour of this nonsense, um, just ping Scott on Facebook and, or on Twitter and just tell him to upload his state of social, football social media stuff. So, I mean, you alluded to it, the, the findings from a couple of years ago. Is it basically the same sort of thing of like, who's engaging with what and how and how often and yada, yada, yada? Yeah. So, what I'd like to look at is a few years ago, there's, um, you might have heard of Buffer, so the kind of social um, media management yeah, platform. Yeah. Yeah, love yep. Buffer. I mean, I've got I've got a pair of the socks to be honest with you. I, I think they're an incredible company for what they do, um, you know, in terms of the values and transparency and all that kind of stuff. And they annually publish a survey called um, "This is the State of Social Media." So I've even ripped off the name to be honest with you. And that survey was looking at kind of just how businesses across the world are using social media. And I realised when I start looking at a few of these things, nobody focuses on football. I mean, sport widely, but nobody focuses on football specifically. And um, mm-hmm. it's not even you know if you look at if you do one of these surveys that what industry you work in, agriculture, retail, manufacturing, engineering, you know, it's none of it is do you work in sport? It doesn't even seem to have its own category. It's probably like under entertainment or something daft like that. Um, yeah. So I thought, you know, that the time's right to kind of start doing something. I mean, first time around, the following's grown a lot in the account in the last two to three years. But when I did it originally, it was four years ago, I think, and there's like 25, 30 people did it. Then it was 50 people the year after. I took last year off. And this year we've had 94. So it's kind of, it's, it's grown substantially. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of doubling pretty much every year, which is pretty exciting to see yeah. what might happen kind of in January next year. Good looking five years time. Yeah, yeah. good. Yeah. Well, the problem as well is that I used to, th- I used to get quite disappointed. Oh, 94 people. It's not that many people. I'm genuinely grateful for everyone that's done it, but actually that could be one member from every football team, in the top four divisions of English football, which actually is a hell of an achievement and a really good study. Um, so when you think of it that way, I kind of I try to think of it as 94 clubs because it makes us feel better. But yeah. I've had people um, kind of contribute this year from, I mean, England and Scotland are always the kind of the highest. There's about 75% of people have come from those countries. But I've got people from New Zealand, from Sudan, um, from United Arab Emirates. We've got Denmark, Egypt, Russia, Mexico. So there's they're going to be small subsections, but there's going to be some interesting stuff to um, kind of pull out of it, I think. For sure. Sure. So then, given that we haven't got the data from this year, let's talk about 2019, given that you didn't do it in 2020. Um, aside from the fact that you found that like only one in 10 messages were being replied mm. to, whatever statistic you want to put, uh, any other sort of takeaways from that that you know clubs could t- look at and say, oh, hang on, we can. there's a niche here. I've got, to, I've got this year's data actually to hand if you want some spoilers for it. Um, go on then, go on. I then. haven't delved into it massively, so I plan on seeing if things differ because like this year for the first time I asked whether people are kind of representing the men's or the women's game but also to categorize the level that their team plays at so whether it's kind of like amateur non-league professional or elite so mm-hmm. I want I mean, it'd be interesting to see how the, some of these figures change as I delve into that that way but purely off the um, kind of starting point the majority of the marketing teams are small I'm learning um 30 mm-hmm. percent of the people who responded it's literally just them they are marketing for their football teams um, right 
So again, be interesting to see how that kind of translates up and down the pyramid. But then again, there's only 43% on top of that have kind of two to five people working in the team. So the majority of the teams and the people who are responding to these things are small marketing teams. So again, they're having yeah. to do a lot. And, you know, they're all on Facebook. They're all on Twitter. Majority on Instagram. Um, two on Pinterest, actually. I wish I could have found out exactly who they were. TikTok's growing. Um, and has actually overtaken Snapchat in terms of our, like, the figures that I've got. Oh, for thank it. God. Yeah, I know. Um, but LinkedIn actually is, the, is fourth. So LinkedIn is ahead of TikTok and Snapchat. And LinkedIn, is a, as a medium, is not the one that you immediately think, oh, I must see what, um, what Spurs have put out on their LinkedIn page recently. It, it doesn't come to mind, but I think from a kind of a corporate side, it's used quite heavily. So it'll be a completely different audience. Yeah. And probably the only channel out of the ones that we've just, I've just mentioned, where they'll probably have a different strategy. So they'll yes, have the same strategy sure. on everything, but LinkedIn will be different. So um, and To me, as, a, a, you know, a, as someone who's engaged at a lower level club, I think LinkedIn's almost the second most important, right? And it's a very simplistic way of me, for me to look at things, and it may not work corresponding in the UK, but it's certainly over here. I feel like Twitter is just broadcasting, right? It's just because it, you can't really control who's seeing your message. So it could be someone next door or on the other side of the country, which is great for merch sales and stuff. But realistically, we're interested in bums on seats and community engagement, right? So yeah. go crazy on Twitter, have as much fun as you want. But if you want to do a thing, then Facebook's your, or Facebook is your audience because Mrs. Smith shares it with, with Tommy's mom, shares it with Billy's <laughs> scout leader and away you go, right? Um, but once you've got past the the, the crowd the audience the attendance linkedin to me is absolutely front and center because you're we spoke about we spoke to um do you know um you obviously know lewis fc down south um we spoke to stuart fuller down there last week um oh, right, yes. yeah um and the little thing i put out on headline it was him talking about um how the, the a football club crowd is made up of different types of people if you work in an accountancy firm 87% of the people that you speak to are accountants, right, with the odd exception. Whereas on a Saturday match day, you've got accountants standing next to painters, standing next to school teachers, standing next to mm. whatever. Um, you tap into that fan base and all of a sudden your volunteer, your, your, your skill set outside of the football ground has expanded exponentially because there's so many different skill sets there. And LinkedIn is a great way to get to them because they're there in their official capacity and you put something in front of them when they're not expecting it. You go, oh, hello. On top of that, that's where your sponsors live. Yes, absolutely. that's where the money is. So it's to me, and I you know, again, like I said, I do as I say, not as I do. I, <laughs> I I use Hootsuite and deliver it, and I've got accounts there, and copy, paste, send, done. Right, forget about it. Because like everyone else, I've got my day job to do. But if mm -hmm. you're going to do it properly, absolutely, LinkedIn should be way way further up than anybody of the sound mind would put it normally. I think. It absolutely should. Um, I've been shocked actually when you start going through and it, it, you're right what you say about sponsorship and the commercial side of it. It tends to be, or the ones I've seen anyway, it, it's a lot of lower league clubs doing that kind of thing over here where they're sharing, you know, we've got corporate boxes, we've got sponsor a player, sponsor the match mm -hmm. ball, all that kind of stuff as well. Again, it's an area that I'd love to delve into more and it might it probably will go on my list for this year actually because I'm quite fascinated by um, kind of leaning because again it, it doesn't tend to get as widely advertised but if I look at this as the fourth most popular social network for football clubs mm -hmm. there's definitely something worth investigating to see how teams are like kind of why they're using it and what they're doing with it definitely definitely and I think something just spring to spring to mind as well when we're thinking about the likes of Liverpool and Man United and Newcastle and all these essentially global brands now it's the clubs underneath that so the Gateshead mm -hmm. of Newcastle the Tranmere of Liverpool the 
bless them, the berries, but the Rochdales and Man United. Um, that's where the potent, that's where the scope for you to grow and to move into. And over here, because we, you know MLS is in its market in Chicago or in Detroit or not in Detroit, that's a terrible example. In New York, right? All these minor league clubs that are around the rest of the country, there is huge scope to be something that these clubs can't be because they are focused on the national, the international. Your focus should be on the domestic, on the local, on the regional, on the community. And if you do it right, if you get your tone of voice right, if you get your your level of engagement, which is a horrible brand phrase, but um, <laughs> if you get it right, it's the the, li- the boundaries are almost, li- almost limitless. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's there's also you know when used correctly, there are those opportunities to to go a bit bigger and to go a bit global. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you do something well, someone like myself might kind of share it and promote it to people. Yeah. But all these other avenues that are kind of scouring social media looking for these really good examples to kind of share again it's another one of those horror marketing phrases but mm. to make it go viral mm-hmm. and you can do it with a kind of really well-crafted ridiculously expensively over elaborately shot video with mm. humor you can do it with, with a bit of banter and stuff as well but the good stuff that should be getting shared are where you're telling those stories and where you're doing something that absolutely tugs at the heartstrings taps into the emotion kind of showcases what it's like to be a football fan and what it means to kind of those fans and that I mean, again, we're getting into kind of tribalism and fandom, but what it means to somebody's, um, like, their identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, York City did a really, really good thing. So York City are outside of the, um, the top four professional leagues, but I think, think they're a semi-pro club um, in the kind of non-league side of yeah, it. They're, they're comp- they're, know- they were, last I saw, top of Conference North. So they may still be yeah, professional um, because they're trying to buy their way out of it, but that's a good point. I, I, I should know a lot more given I go to watch them once a season with a York friend, but um, <laughs> it, shows you, it shows you how much attention you pay to the football. Did, just apropos, did you, did you see the We're Leaving Booth and Present video? Yes, that was one of the ones I was going to talk about, yeah. actually. It's, um, Dan, who works at York, is I speak to Dan quite a bit, actually, and um, he, he's fantastic at what he's doing and really seems to have kind of tapped into what York is and what it means to the people there. Mm-hmm. So they did a great one recently where they had, they found a fan who attended the first game at Bootham Crescent. Wow. Who was obviously, obviously still alive today, otherwise mm-hmm. it would have been a very difficult um, <laughs> kind of search. And they, they obviously couldn't be at the new ground that's just opened for their first game there. Mm-hmm. But they, like, they kind of, they did a little thing with them. So they, yeah. they tapped into that story and that community. And at those levels, they're the stories that resonate oh, the totally. most. They're the ones that show this is what it means to people. That is surely very attractive to a sponsor. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like the, for this commercial club, partnership. Look how much people care. Yeah. 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 This club cares about their people on their doorstep is a huge thing. Right. And it, mean, it means less to Man United. There's no yeah. two ways about that. But it means an awful lot to you. If your potential fan base is 200 to 2,000 to, you know, then you've got to care. You've got to look like you care and you've got to make the, like, the people believe that you care, both fans and sponsors. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's massively difficult to scale. Like, it's mm. so difficult to do when you've got thousands, millions of people around the world, you know, to, to be doing those responses, to be doing that engagement. But I say that at the same time, Spurs did a really lovely one recently where they, um, they, were, they were hosting a Zoom quiz with the supporters club in... Oh, somewhere over in um, in Asia. I can't remember the exact country, actually, if I'm honest with you. I think I think they've recently launched a Korean language account. So I right. think it was to do with that. Um, but there was a kind of one of their international Twitter accounts they were doing stuff with. But they brought Gareth Bale in mm. to kind of ask some questions and do some stuff. And that's that's really small, making use of your, your um, like this kind of star power. 
But it brought the smile to my face, and I'm not a Spurs fan. I'm not a Gareth Bale fan. Like, not in a horrible way, just, you know, I don't support <laughs> yeah. the club or anything. Yeah. Uh, we're clear on that, yeah. And, um, but, like, it brought a smile to my face, seeing the fans' reactions. There's only about 10 of them, 12 of them on this quiz. Yeah. But it just brought genuine smiles to their faces to see a fan, like, to see a player and to get the chance to talk to them and to do something with. Yeah. And that's, that's the other side of the world to yeah. where they were. You know, it doesn't have to be doorstep stuff. That's a small, it's a relatively small account compared to the main one, but it's, it's an account that they've got for like different audiences and different fan bases. So mm-hmm. it shows actually that these things do scale a little bit if you know your industry. Yes. Now, it's actually funny when we mentioned engagement and um, clubs not doing it because one of the things that tends to happen when a um, Premier League club launches an account in America, so you know, still, it's an English language account, but it's targeted at an American audience. Chelsea have got one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few other Premier League teams have got them. Engagement is really key in their strategy. So mm-hmm. they actually do engage with fans. They respond, they reply, they post stuff, and then they reshare stuff from fans, and they do all of that. Mm-hmm. They just don't do it in their own country with their own fans. No, no, it's, it's again, a, it goes back to just strange. There's, there's, yeah, there's an awful lot wrong in this country, and but and that one thing, and probably thousands of others, Disney World High, but they are just <laughs> streets ahead, right? They just they know mm-hmm. what they're doing. I'm watching uh, whilst we're recording this. I'm watching a um, baseball preseason friendly, the Cubs versus the Rockies, um, and obviously the dynamic is different. And you know, players are sat down at a given point because they're not doing anything. But when they're <laughs> sat down, they're mic'd up. So right yeah. now. Um, Carl Hendricks is pitching and on the TV they're talking to one of the Colorado Rocky players, Rockies players who's just sitting there and you know just having a chat Do you imagine like Mike micing up the assistant <laughs> coach or the you know one of the subs or the physio or just just oh, they don't think that's, that's the frustration anyway that's a rant for a different day yeah, yeah no they do and I mean it's those alternative viewpoints do really well on the club's own channels the mm-hmm. Arsenal launched um, they had there's been a few so that one of the clubs did a one where they just watched the manager. So it just showed like a 10 minute clip of like the manager on the sidelines talking to the players and like shouting and all that kind of thing, like a manager can. Um, ben Foster, who um, English goalkeeper plays for Watford now in the yeah. championship, he published a series of videos where he actually just put a GoPro in, his, in the net um, behind him in goal and just put the footage on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And there was a bit of a rights issue with it because it's, it's actually against the broadcasted rules. But, you know, you, you've, you've got a player essentially who built up an audience doing content that I bet the league are sit, sat there thinking, I wish we'd thought of that. Mm. But it's an alternative viewpoint to what's yeah. going on. Um, and the fans, act, fans love it. Fans love when the action is happening, seeing those different viewpoints. And that's thinking about your online audience and your post-game audience yeah. for something. So yeah. Yeah, no, it's totally. I, it's funny you should use that Ben Foster example. We had a board meeting the other week. Um, we were talking about just um, basically yeah, GoProing one of our subs, and whether whether it's a penalty, whether well goalkeepers, and whether it's a penalty shootout at halftime or whatever, but or during training or whatever, but just getting some footage and generating you know a different bit of content rather than me just retweeting someone or giving a, a lineup <laughs> change. It's, I think, where American clubs at our level are have the advantage is that there is that sort of close-knit community mm. aspect to things but just between the fans and the players or there can be if it's done right right um a lot of the clubs that start up are player driven right so they because there's no pyramid to jump into because there's no bedlington terriers to get to they just where are we going to play we want decent competitive football okay we'll just start our own club screw it yeah and that sort of maverick american attitude for one of the better thing um <laughs> that sort of it helps create that sort of um, understanding of what they could be doing 
and how they how they can connect with people that aren't on the playing surface. On the, the flip of that is that um, they're not necessarily embedded in the community for a long time, but that's a, mm. a different conversation. Um, I think, therefore, that yeah, it just it goes back to saying that there's a, there's an accepted way of doing stuff on both sides of the water and probably around the world of like you've got to be straight laced on social media, you've got to be doing you know you've got to be posting substitutions and new transfers and you know whatever official turmeric yeah. partners i don't know if you saw that but whatever <laughs> I, I did do you know how many sponsors um how, how many sponsors man united actually have i was just looking on the website earlier um like listed at the bottom of their website of course they've got three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventy eight nine twenty one twenty four <laughs> listed i mean so that's really that's really really good all you always listen to somebody count to 24 but, um, <laughs> That's just because I can't, you know, I didn't have no. as many fingers as I needed. But like, <laughs> you know, it's like, is that, that dilutes it to mm -hmm. me when you've got that many. I mean, the names are like, it's Adidas, it's Chevrolet, it's Cadbury, mm -hmm. you know, it's DHL, it's Konami, it's Marriott Hotels and Tag Watchers. These are lost to me, yes. you know, when you've got that many. Yet when you're at the, at the community level, this could be a local, a local brand or yeah. business that actually the sponsorship could help them grow become yes. the next big success story in your area they could employ your best friend or your husband or your wife or whatever yeah. um you know and, it, and there's access to players that you mentioned before they'll be shopping in the same supermarkets as you you mm -hmm. know it, it grounds the things it grounds everything a little bit if this is someone for um like kind of you know kids to look up to because kids love sport and they idolize they idolize like kind of athletes and footballers and all that kind of thing rightly or wrongly um you know and they can get close to them they can see them and engage with them and do stuff with them it's it sounds dead easy, doesn't it, when I put it like this? And I don't have to do it, so it probably yeah. is dead easy. No, exactly. It, it, and it is dead easy if it's your full-time job and you've got a staff of eight behind you. Yeah. But when you, you know, you're oh, God, coming, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That, when that's you're sitting down after a hard day at work and you've had to put the kids to bed and you've had to make dinner and, you know, the, the house is a tip and now it's 10.30 and you haven't seen your partner all day, it's like, it's the last thing you want to do is mm. create a thing. But um, I think it, you just have a list, a bullet list of like 400 things you could do and pick one. And just don't like. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I mean, and, I mean, one of the, the best ways of managing social media channels for any small business is is scheduling. I mean, you mentioned Hootsuite before that you use. There's a lot of these things out there that you know, for a kind of an hour a week, mm -hmm. could actually schedule a little bit. Um, and I don't know about you, but I, I actually I enjoy the engagement on social media. Mm -hmm. um, and the, when I've when I've managed social media accounts before, um, you know, I've genuinely loved interacting with people and generating a conversation and a buzz was always what I was trying to do. Yeah, with those social media accounts. So mm -hmm. actually getting that engagement and conversation was, you know, it, it was fun. It was interesting. I do it with the online rule. I'm always trying to start a conversation with somebody. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the stuff that I'll post sometimes are just kind of half-finished thoughts or something that I know that if I don't fully tell a story, someone will kind of pop up to finish it off or someone will pop up with like a correction or a clarification or an addition. So mm -hmm. I don't put the full story out there sometimes for that because it's, you know, that's what that's what social networking is about, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, just yeah, absolutely. Just couldn't agree with you more, my friend. All right, look, um, we've been talking for coming up to an hour. Um, All right, okay. No, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm good with it. I pity the poor fools who've got to listen to this because you know when when John's here, we, we have an automatic break. Now I've got to edit this and find an automatic break somewhere in the middle of it. But um, is there anything you want to like anything else you want to get off your chest? I've got a couple more questions, but I'm just curious if you, is there anything that you want to rant about? No, about. I mean, I, I never, I never have an agenda. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that's bad when you teach for a lot of your living, isn't it? But um, yeah, I just rock with it. All right, fair enough, fair enough. So, um, you said 
and this is this is a personal thing so again i might edit it out i don't know but um you said that you know you're a newcastle fan died in the wall and that's it you're you're stuck there right um yeah if bedlington terriers if york city come knocking and say hey come on ahead of our operation we want you to take us to the next level of the next five levels um and, and we're going to match your salary and yada 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 and your, your family's going to be secure is your head getting turned like could you not abandon your loyalty to newcastle because there's people who support clubs up and down the country who don't work for those clubs but um are you beholden to only making newcastle better i guess is what i'm asking no not at all um Job's a job. <laughs> at the end of the day, if I was in that situation, um, there's one thing I've learned about being self-employed. If someone offers you money for something, you just say yes and speak sure. about it later. Yeah. But um, yeah, there was actually I had this dilemma a couple of years ago. So I was um, Sunderland were looking for somebody in their their kind of marketing team, <laughs> and it was my wife who saw it and went, "Look, you're looking to change a little bit. Why? You know, you do the online real stuff as well and all that. Why don't you Why don't you apply for that job?" And I was saying like, "Yeah, I would." To be honest with you, like mm-hmm. I, I have no problem doing it whatsoever. Um, that some of that might be my upbringing. So for a little bit of boring context for the world, I um I live just outside of Sunderland. I play football for a team based in Sunderland. My best man at my wedding is a Sunderland fan. A lot of my friends are Sunderland fans. Mm-hmm. So I've never been one of those kind of hating that other side, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's, okay. That's what we, mean. We've yeah. always been relatively well integrated. Um, yeah, we disagree about football massively yeah. when it comes to talking, and we love winding each other up. Yeah. But when it came, if it came to working for the club, actually, I would be fine. I'd actually hate to work for Newcastle, to be yes, completely I honest with you. Yeah. I, um, I think being too close to it sometimes can be an issue, and you can be clouded a little bit by it. One of my friends is the um, actually does the commentary for Newcastle United and BBC Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So I kind of get a little, I don't get any insight from him at all, actually, to be honest no. with you, but I kind of, I live a little bit through him. He shares us a picture of like the whatever, like what Man City have got on the spread and the buffet that day when he turns <laughs> on. Thanks for you that. That's sandwich. as close as I want to be. He said yeah. himself, it is sometimes, it is difficult to kind of, to have that, that line where you're commentating on the game. For, I mean, he, he does it for the Newcastle website, so it's kind of, it's mm-hmm. a global audience and also to, you know, to have a local accent, but yeah. also try not to be too much of a fan and try not to try to get your emotions a little bit out of it. Yeah. To try and comment objectively a little bit. Totally, totally. I did it. I did it briefly. For and yeah, no, mm. no fun, right? I, uh, for one, you want to swear, and for two, you want to call a clown <laughs> a clown, and you can't, just can't. Absolutely. Um, all right. So, in terms of social media, right? For all that it matters, and you know, you and I know better than most, I suppose. How does we've, we've touched on engagement, but how does a club expand its follower base? Um, you know, why for all you, that, why would you care? Well, the clubs do care. So, all right, then tell them why yeah. they shouldn't care. <laughs> oh God, right, okay, blindsiders. So, <laughs> from, a, from a social media point of view, yeah, I mean, everyone is chasing those follower numbers. It's great, you know. Okay, if you've got follower number as a, um, as a metric, whatever, it, it must be lovely because it's not actually that hard. If you're chasing a follower metric, really, you can go down that route I mentioned before about a little bit of kind of banter back and forth between football clubs, you know call the admin who runs your rival team something horrible on social media, mm-hmm. go viral, get followers or whatever. It's never a culture I've bought into because I think that's probably because I've always come from a, a marketing background rather than a sports background. So I've always been about how can marketing fulfill the business's objectives and fulfilling the financial objective doesn't come with an increased follower count because how many of them are fake, for example. I looked into yep. it a few years ago and I used an automated tool that said that someone like West, 10% of West Ham's followers um, kind of fake or spam or something like that so Jeez. you know you think your figures are kind of skewed mm-hmm. anyway um, there's that many fake inactive accounts that are following you 
it's it's not a reliable metric to be completely honest and i've always said to businesses and anyone even in football I say the same thing i'd rather have if I, i'd rather have a thousand followers where 500 of them engaged and interacted and were loyal yeah. than to have a million followers where 30 or 40 of them engaged mm-hmm. so it's it's a bit of a false economy for me yeah. Um, the follower count is irrelevant. But in, interestingly, actually, we asked this question in the survey. So we'll see, you know, what's, what is the way that your club measures success on social media? Mm-hmm. And just just under 12% say follower count. So I'm glad that that number's dropping, to be completely honest with you. Yeah. Um, it is the second highest, the second kind of most popular way of measuring success. The top one is engagement, which is massively, massively ironic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, given what we've just been talking yeah, about. Totally. Right? Yeah. So what what they're saying though is people engaging with their stuff rather yeah. than them actually engaging with their fans. Yeah. So it's, it's not really engagement. So that know. that if anything that's a fault to the question really. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh god. Yeah. That's my fault completely. <laughs> I realised that after I realised that after I'd done that. Um, <laughs> people have different definitions of engagement. Engagement for me, fan engagement is engaging with your fans, not. Mm-hmm producing stuff that your fans will engage with if that makes sense no it totally does it goes back to like you put out a squad announcement right that's you Mm. engaging with your fans a whole bunch of them say why have you picked that right back right for one it's not the admin's fault for posting it he's not going to have an answer (laughs) which is what a big bugbear of mine i see it every match day like why are we just this guy doesn't know this guy (laughs) no it's just but um but more than that it's just if you get if you post that that squad lineup and then you get fifteen people writing back to you, the engagement comes when you write back to those fifteen people, yes. and you get you get the manager to give you a, a soundbite that's just for those, and you send it in a DM. That's yeah. that's when you win. Yeah, absolutely. It was a few years ago, um, Patrick Vieira did it with where was it? it was New York City, wasn't it? He was manager of, mm-hmm. and they did a um, like a, a post match interview with him, and it was questions submitted via Twitter. Yeah, and I just thought, yeah, brilliant. That is that is a good way of you know saying send us your questions for Patrick. We'll mm-hmm. send you a response from him. You know after the match. And it was a few years ago. My memory is is fuzzy at best from last week, let alone kind of a few <laughs> years back. Especially this but, year. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. Well, what year? Still twenty twenty as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was interesting, and there were questions in the answer, and he answered them, and that that will mean a lot to the people who actually got their questions answered. But also mm-hmm. shows that you're asking fans for their questions. You are using what they've submitted to you, which means you've taken the time to go through them and to read them, and then you've used them. Yep. And that is literally like basic fan engagement. Yep. Derby County did it a few weeks ago. Um, Jordan, who works there, went. He's, he's literally said, "Look, we're going to choose. Send us your seat number. So we're, we're at home today. Send us your, um, your kind of your season ticket number, your seat, your row, all that kind of stuff. We'll go and take a picture from your seat, and we'll choose five people." out of everyone who t- sends us the thing. And we'll just, we'll send you a picture of here's your view of mm-hmm. today's game or what your view would have been. And I did, that is, I've seen it copied actually, um, Rangers copied it as well in Scotland. And I think, but I think to be honest, the idea came elsewhere as well. You know, there's, there's no such thing as an original idea in football no. or music. So yeah, essentially, you know, they, they did that. And that again is basic fan engagement, but that, a seat is very personal. You know, if you've had a season ticket somewhere for years or it's been in your family for generations, that means a lot. So getting to see your seat when you haven't been there for a year and you're still paying because you're loyal and you're supporting the club is, again, just, I use the word lovely a lot. Um, and a yeah, lot of it I'm, is, it's those moments that make yeah. you go, oh, isn't that nice? Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. Um, completely random, cold question. Cool. But given with your professional head on again, um, <laughs> is the time spent on email marketing worth the return? Oh, God, absolutely. I mean, email marketing is... 
Um, I was I was having this conversation exactly with the, I had a group of fifteen um, kind of small business owners this morning, and then everyone bangs on about social being the be all and end all. Email will drive you more conversions. It absolutely will, um, more than anything. If you're not gathering an email list from getting fans to subscribe for updates or something like that, you're missing a massive, massive trick. I loved a few years ago the idea of using WhatsApp for these things, for mm-hmm. those kinds of those broadcast lists and those missives. They've changed their terms and conditions a little bit, and I don't really know anyone who's kind of engaging with it that way instead. But email is, is the best thing you've got. If you want to get in front of someone, um, fans, yeah, use your email. You can segment them. You can send different things to different people. You can celebrate their birthdays if you take that kind of information. You, know, you, you can get more information, do more stuff, and it's more personal. Um, there's loads of studies out there that so even just putting someone's first name in an email, yeah, yeah, you know, increases increases your conversion rates massively. It's a dead easy way of showing that you care. I find that so interesting. I have never, professionally or through the soccer club, ever found a triumphant email that I've sent out. And that's probably <laughs> the definition of doing something stupid is doing the same thing over and over again, right? <laughs> expecting different results. So pr- clearly the problem is me. But um, yeah, I mean, we send emails um, spasmodically, you know, we're, we're absolutely not religious mm-hmm. about it because as mentioned, I hate that, the idea of the calendar thing. But yeah. it's definitely a, a, a part of our process. Um, and I just t- so find where, the time- Where they work and where they're successful. Um, and again, this is tapping into kind of a really underused and undervalued skill in a lot of these businesses, and especially like, you know, clubs, again, lower down, the elite clubs will be probably be doing all these things, is just tracking and measuring. So setting these things up, using UTM tags, using UTM tracking, you know, and you kind of email campaigns, mm-hmm. using Google Analytics to set up goals and event management, um, do things like Tag Manager, and, you know, just owning your data a little bit, create yourself a little data studio or something where you can just see What's driving our conversions? If you've got an online store, you know, wh- where can you go to to see everything? Where's that traffic coming from? Are people buying more from organic? Are they buying more from social? Are they coming through your paid? Or are you coming through email marketing? You know, if you've got that kind of setup ready, which is free to do, it'll just take a bit of time to kind of learn and invest in it. Um, you know, you can then make that decision. So you're saying email marketing isn't working, but if you're looking and finding actually, we're sending a lot of people to our website and you know, they're getting to the checkout stage and not buying, you can actually pinpoint an issue that there might be there. Mm-hmm. But without, sure. without that, you, you kind of can't do it. And it's, it's a very, very underused and undervalued skill in the, industry, in the sports industry as a whole, because again, the focus tends to be on just content production or content measurement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm absolutely guilty of that. And I guess that goes down to economies mm-hmm. of scale. I think, yeah, um, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I see more immediate benefit and return in, on a Facebook campaign than I have done on an email campaign. Yeah, you, again, if you've got your track, if you've got your tracking set up, you can see all that in one place. Mm. Not for sure. And compare them side by side. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just anecdotal evidence, right? That I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> all right, no, that's cool. absolutely fine. No, I mean, you're, you're in, you're in that. You manage them, and like, you probably will. I mean, it's, it's different strokes for different folks. Every club and every fan base, every audience will engage and interact with something completely differently. So yeah, if it, if it works, do more of it. If it stops working, stop doing it. Yeah, no, and that's that's the biggest thing, isn't it? Just don't don't do a thing just because everyone else is doing it. And mm. I, I worry about TikTok in that regard, right? I I love a bit. I love me a bit of TikTok. Um, I follow. I don't produce. I'm, there's nothing out there on a personal <laughs> level or on a professional level. Right? I'm just when my when my real life boss says we need to get on TikTok, I'm just no, we do not because we don't. But um, I think if it's done right, it can work, right? Whether um, whether it's TikTok or whether it's Twitter or whatever social. But if it's done wrong or it's done half measures, um, it's just going to hmm. hurt you. And just because it's the buzzword 
and I feel like Snapchat's the, the perfect example. You said that that's falling away now. It is oh. absolutely. Um, you know, football clubs are kind of dominated by trends. That's mm-hmm. what they do. They jump on bandwagons. They see what people are doing. They do follow the um, kind of way everyone else. You know, a few people lead one way, yeah. and they go with it. So, I mean, Clubhouse is an example of this at the minute that some teams are just kind of jumping on and claiming their accounts, but they mm-hmm. haven't really got a strategy for it at this particular moment in time. Um, they're land grabbing to stop other people getting their names and they're just kind of getting set up and seeing what happens. They do it all the time. I mean, I, I did a thing when um, Instagram guides launched. I don't know if you've, if you've come across them and seen them. Right. They're lovely. I think they're brilliant and massively underutilized. But you'd get like clubs would do one on it and mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, look, something else that's shiny over there. And then they'd wander away and get distracted yeah. and they wouldn't do a second one. So things aren't, a lot of the time, part of a strategy. And actually on the strategy point, if I can um, regale you with one more kind okay, of great. figure from the, uh, the study this year, I asked for the first time, do you have a documented social media strategy? 57% of clubs say they don't. Um, if you ask then the question above, that was how important is social media to your overall marketing strategy? And what have we got there? Nearly 90% of People said it was either very important or somewhat important. So it's 90% important to their overall marketing strategy, but 60% of teams don't have anything documented to actually make the most of it. And I think that, that, that speaks to like how people perceive social media, though. It's just this throwaway thing, right? Mm. And one of the reasons why social media managers, at, such as Liverpool, <laughs> we'll keep on holding them over it, right? Um, <laughs> why, why that's a, a position that... the hasn't been filled or historically wasn't filled or didn't exist or whatever and if it doesn't at Liverpool it certainly doesn't at Barnsley or Cambridge United or whatever right yeah. um it's because well I can do this in my spare time I, I have a Facebook account I, I can tweet I can tweet while I'm at the bar so <laughs> why do I need to pay someone to do that for me it's a, it's a two-second job and yes it's a two anyone can tweet in two seconds but do it right you, you yeah. do have to think about it a little bit and be coherent you're right there's, there's a genuine skill to doing it properly and doing it right Yes. Um, and being aligned to values, being able to create a strategy, being able to have like a, essentially, I am going to do X, it should lead to Y mm-hmm. approach to it, um, which it, it is lacking. And it's, um, I asked the question from both a kind of an organic and a paid point of view. I lumped them all together as kind of general social media. But, um, you know, it's across everything. So you think like Instagram guides, it's not, nothing's documented about kind of, are they going to use it? Are they not? They literally just jump on it and have a go. Mm. You know, there's a lot of waste um, in kind of social media efforts where they, people, clubs have tried something and then just given up on it pretty much straight away or they've jumped onto a social networking site. Man City did it with WhatsApp a few years ago and it, I was gutted because I really wanted this to work. They, um, they set up a WhatsApp list and were like, yep, you know, subscribe to the list. We can only fit 256 people, I think it was, onto it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get daily updates, all these things. So I managed to get on the list and then <laughs> they just, they literally never sent anything out. Wow. And Man City, like, yeah. I remember back in the day, Man City were like, portrayed as these figureheads as the vanguard of doing this right he said what gesticulating wildly right but this whole social media landscape they were they were proponents of it they were good at it they were I, i've got to be honest um so the the digital team there i think they've got a twitter account which i think it's like it's just man city digital mm. so it's the team behind the kind of all the digital operations and i think haven't tweeted for since um so i've looked 22nd of january last year wow. so even that's kind of fallen off for some reason um, I mean, they've got 18,000 followers just literally showing kind of what goes on. Um, they, were, they were the first club to launch on YouTube Kids, for example, with kind of little kind of kid stuff going on. 
they actually they retweeted a few of my stuff as well, so I'm a little bit biased about praising <laughs> them. Um, but they also had like hackathons and these kind of tech events and all that kind of stuff. And they were genuinely could have been like the Barcelona of England in that mm-hmm. sense, because Barcelona's kind of media production and technology stuff is just off the scale. Yeah. Um, but they just for whatever reason it does seem to have died down. And I noticed this actually because very recently I replatformed them um, the website and moved it from WordPress to it, the platform called Ghost. Mm-hmm. And I, I was looking through some of the older stuff. So some of the stuff in the kind of early days and like kind of 2015, 2016 that we used to share on there. And it does feel like genuine innovation has gone. Um, yeah. Going back, going back all those years. There was a time when um, the Football Association over here sent two tickets for the FA Cup final into, the, like, into space on a rocket that was going up. Just why the hell not? Essentially, it was kind of seemed to be the attitude behind it. Um, it, it felt like people, they were, people were pushing the boundaries a little bit. Yeah. That has sadly kind of like just dipped up doesn't seem as is not enough like that these days to actually talk about and i don't know whether it's i don't know people are getting lazy they're getting bored and tired of these things um but for whatever reason like yeah. it, it just it doesn't happen as much anymore um okay, yeah yeah now i think about it you're, you're absolutely right it's just there's it's plateaued people are just like taking it for granted and they don't want to i think they're, they're scared of getting it wrong Definitely on this side, yeah. and I see people getting it wrong all the time. There's a so I alluded way back when I don't know if you can remember at the start of this conversation, but like the politics that goes on with this in this country, and mm. all these things, right? So um, all our regional leagues are set up. Um, if you think of the what, the complete polar opposite of the FA and the pyramid that sits underneath them, right? With clear, nice, clearly defined like step one, step two, step three, step four, yada yada yada. Regional, county, Saturday, Sunday league, right? Essentially, yeah. Um, over here, it's like because of the, partly because of the size of it, so it's all geographic. So there's um, region one, region two, region three, um, and there's a big fight about promotion relegation. Ironically, something that people don't seem to pick up, pick on, right? The MLS, MLS in, and US soccer is a closed system, so you you go where your bank balance allows you, and you can't leave unless you go under. But you certainly can't go yeah. up the ladder, right? Um, bizarrely, what the European teams are trying to do but no one seems to be drawing a parallel there and I don't really understand why, but that's for another day. Um, so um, the, the undercurrent, the, the groundswell of, is for you know, a grassroots movement of promotion relegation, whereby some team from Nowheresville, Alabama can rise to the ranks and end up playing the New York City FC, uh, which yeah. as Brits, we would applaud. Um, some representative from um, USSF, I think it was USSF, there's so many acronyms here, but anyway, um, the East Coast representative um, came on board and basically called them all out and said that Pro-Rel was a nonsense and you know, there's, there's so, too many leagues and yeah, blah, 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 blah. And it went off, right? People saying that you're treating an official capacity and you can't be saying that, you can't be calling out and you're not representing your clubs and your leagues and blah, 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 blah. And long story short, right, and I don't know what, how, it, how it's culminated, I, but I'm pretty sure he doubled the guy, whoever it was, and I'm assuming it was a guy, because it's always a guy that does this shit. Um, he doubled down and, you know, kept on calling people out and kept on trying to, and I even got involved with the fight with him for a little bit, but then I got bored. But um, the fear of doing stuff wrong mm. and the, you know, creates this sterile environment whereby people just tweet and share the blandest of bland things, you know, the here's our new signing, here he is holding a scarf and looking like a prisoner of war and whatever. And then... Yeah, the, he wanted counter, to come honest. Yeah, and the counter to that is when someone breaks the mould and does something not bland and may possibly go off the rails a little bit because they took a risk or, you know, they didn't know yeah. the, the inverted commas rules, um, the backlash of it is so severe, right? Um, yeah. It's just... It's, 
I don't know if you, you've ever read Dave Gorman's um, book about public shaming. Not Dave Gorman. It was, no, uh, John Ronson, not Dave Gorman. John Ronson's book about public mm. shaming. Um, where he, he talks to Monica Lewinsky and he talks to various other people about, you know, the, just the fallout from the public just turning on you. I think clubs have become so anodyne and so enthrall of, you know, the almighty dollar, the almighty sterling, that yeah. the, it's just that there's no will to break out and do something different. Why should we do different something if we've got our foot in, you know, five different continents, we're turning over multi-millions and the, the Premier League will always pay us and Sky will always pay us and Korean FA will always pay us. So why do we care? Why why try and do something different? And I don't know how we break no, that. I, I, I think you're right. I mean, um, over here, there's, there's probably Leeds United are trying to break that mould a little bit um, in the Premier League. So Leeds United's um, digital team are very good, but they are and I know this because I have I spoken to a few people at the Premier League actually who said this is just this kind of it is their strategy to do this, um, is to deliberately try and kind of antagonise and be this kind of like a little scrappy bulldog, yeah. Essentially, like you know, where this little team, yeah, yeah, dirty, so, dirty Leeds. Well, I lived in Leeds for a few years as well, so I can vouch for that playing Sunday League on that part of the woods. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, their their plan is to kind of upset the apple cart a little bit and not to play by the rules and to be outspoken brush and controversial mm-hmm. um, in that you know they get they get headlines and publicity through it they kind of they want to be the club with the chip on the shoulder that that's their viewpoint and that's their mentality doesn't that's sound like what, the leads I know well yeah but they um, they want to be the ones who kind of you know we're here now we're back where we belong we deserve to be in this league we deserve to be up here and fighting and, and mm-hmm. you know to hell with anyone who thinks differently and it's it's admirable but it's, it's quite refreshing in a way that there's a team taking that stance so they, you know, they've done a few things over the year that I would look at and I'm like, don't think I'd do that. That probably wouldn't be something I would do. But actually, their fans love it. And at the end of the day, that's usually who the social media channels yeah. are for. Yeah, and it's completely on brand with Leeds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wouldn't work if Bournemouth did. Yes, exactly. So yeah, just so yeah. You. I mean, they've got it. They've understood it, and that's what they're pushing with. But those examples are few and far between. Yeah. Um, like I say, usually. The most you get is normally uh, like an English language Bundesliga account kind of mm-hmm. taking the mick out of a, a Premier League team. Yeah. And that's you, or the, or the bantering back and forth between each other, probably the same person at the same agency running both of the accounts <laughs> doing it. Um, so it's, that's, kind of as, it's, that's kind of as out there as football gets, yeah. to be completely honest with you. It's the German fun. clubs did do, um, those accounts did do a lot of good work back when the Bundesliga re-kicked off after the pandemic because it was the first league in Europe to restart. So they did a lot of stuff about pairing with Premier League clubs and actually that they're, they're good at getting engagement. But again, I know they're run by like American agencies um, who put engagement at the kind of the heart of their strategy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it kind of makes sense that they used engagement as a way of kind of cutting through it. And actually, if I can kind of make one point about that as well, back in when we had the pandemic and kind of football stopped over here, Clubs did engage more. They did more community stuff. They yep. were doing Zoom quizzes. They were doing community outreach as much as they could. They were trying to educate people. They were sharing stories. They were re-showing classic matches and kind of almost getting in on the joke with stuff. Mm-hmm. Then, the, then the football started. And they went, oh, great, we don't have to worry about you lot again. Yeah. We can focus on the football. And they just they very quickly just reverted back to type. Absolutely. Could not agree more. Yeah. If, it, if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing well, as my grandma used to say, right? Just Yes. Exactly. If you're in, very wise words. Yeah. If you're in, just do it. All right, look, um, I've got to get back to the day job at some point. If my boss ever finds out I'm doing this <laughs> stuff for a year now, I'm just robbing her. Um, 
Thank you very much for this, Scott. If people have been interested in what you're doing, where can they find you, um, both you know, football-wise, soccer-wise, and also professionally, if they want to actually take advantage of your services? No promises. Probably. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Online Rule is literally just at Online Rule. On, um, there's a Facebook page that's never updated and a LinkedIn page that exists <laughs> on my LinkedIn these, profile. These people who just um, adopt the platform, of, right? And then just abandon the platform. They're terrible, was, these people. Terrible. It was so that, it was so that I could hook Facebook and Instagram up and post to Instagram from your computer. But um, yeah, so I'm, yeah, it's on Instagram and Twitter primarily. There is the onlinerule.com. Hopefully this month there'll be um, something going out there with the figures and the kind of the results from the survey. This month as well, I'm hopeful to be getting an article from um, a football league group over here about how they've actually grown their TikTok page and what their strategy's been around it, because I think it'll be quite interesting. Yep. We'll just see it. Um, I am very soon as well going to have, um, I've actually got the interviews that they're done. Um, but I've got a few kind of written interviews called the Friday Five that I want to start launching. So every Friday I'll publish like five answers to the same five questions from kind of people in and around different levels of the sport. Mm-hmm. Just try and get some insight on it. So look, there should be a few things this year. Um, I am actually, I talk a lot with Chris Sampson who runs Sports Market in Scotland. Yep. And I love that we've, we've kind of, yeah, I know it's fantastic. I've been speaking to Chris for about five or six years now and um We've always toyed, I host his website actually, as well as a kind of professional sideline. I can take him down at a moment's notice if he ever gets cheeky with us. I've told him that. And, um, you know, we, we've kind of spoke on and off about doing something, maybe a bit of a virtual conference a little bit later this year or something. So uh-huh. there are always plans. Um, just fingers crossed that hopefully these things will happen this year. It is hard when you're trying to balance it. Yeah, and I'm trying absolutely. to balance it with, you know, essentially building a digital marketing agency over here. Yeah. So it's a one-man agency, good first year. Um, called Scott Digital, very original name, <laughs> and yeah, this year hopefully there'll be growth plans. I'm hoping to be taking somebody on soon, um, and then yeah, going from there. So yeah, well, hopefully yeah. the online world can become a big part of that yeah. to become, you know, just kind of a part of the wider strategy for the business. Yeah, no, I can't, can't fight on that. I'm just, I'm just on that sideline alone. Like I, I used to be freelance and I could not do with the network. So how you've managed to grow that, I applaud you. Congratulations. But um, Scott, it's been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you very much for this, bud. Sure that next time we'll have ourselves a laugh.